Hello, and welcome back to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give you the inside scoop on life in our church. I'd like to introduce you to our family life pastor and today's host, Carrie Jones. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Finding Our Way. I'm excited today to be chatting with our lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer, and actually flipping things around a little bit and putting him on the hot seat. So welcome back, Jeff. Thanks, Jonesy. Let's have some fun. Rock this out. (laughs) Awesome. Well, before we we dive into talking about all things launch season, um, why don't you just share a little bit about how things are going in your world? Oh, wow. Um, My world is under massive change these days. So Mm -hmm. if you're not into change, which believe it or not, I probably like stability more than change. I probably bias there. But uh, yeah, a lot of change these days. We just last weekend, uh, we left the country for the first time because we moved in our our oldest son into college. Uh, So we've sent a kid off to college and got through that change. Uh, our youngest, uh, which is the same age as your youngest, uh, will be starting high school. So that's another change. Mm-hmm. Our middle child has just recently got his beginners and is learning to drive. So we're doing driving lessons with him. That's a change. Yeah. My wife uh, is going back to school starting mm-hmm. this month, uh, a, a long weekend per month for eight months uh, of the school year. And she's going to do that for four years. She's going to study osteopathy. She's a massage therapist right now. And uh, so that's a big change. And then I've got a whole bunch of other changes going on in my own world that we'll talk about probably later. So all of us in our little household are in new seasons of change, let alone the fact that we're still navigating a pandemic and trying to come out of a pandemic and you know, transition and reopen and all of that change. So sure. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to embrace change, I guess, is, is uh, how things are going. And uh, it's quite fun. Oh, that's great. That, that's a lot of change to navigate, to be fair. So those are, those are some exciting updates. Um, well, let's dive into talking about, you know, navigating COVID-19. Obviously, the most pressing issue that our church is currently facing or continuing to face um, is navigating the pandemic. And here we are a year and a half later. Um, how are you feeling about how we're doing in regard to navigating um, the pandemic these days? Uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I guess, a couple of things uh, related to the pandemic itself. I'm feeling like this is going slower than even we expected. Mm. And not that any of us are God or, you know, have the crystal ball to, to see into the future, but we've taken a, a very cautious and protective approach. And in the other eras where, at least as a church, we could have reopened to a greater degree. Uh, we didn't. We chose to remain, especially with our uh, weekend services, we chose to remain mm-hmm. online only. And we've talked in podcasts before that that was a, a contribution to our society, kind of leveraging our privilege where we could have reopened and instead sacrificed that to not reopen, to make a contribution to our society to help prevent spread and to promote getting out of this as fast as possible. This spring, with the emergence of vaccination, we felt like vaccines are now providing that protection that we, by remaining online, were, were formerly providing. And so we can kind of reopen along with the rest of society as we reopen. And we assumed that that was going to happen very quickly. And if you remember back in the summer, 
you know, we entered as a province into stage one quicker than we anticipated. And then mm-hmm. each stage was supposed to progress according to a three week timeline. And so then in stage two, uh, we progressed into stage two even more quickly than those three weeks. And so it felt like, wow, this is just a tidal wave of things reopening. And then kind of the Delta variant emerged and conversation around fourth wave emerged. And 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 now we've been in kind of a about a six-week-long holding pattern in this third stage of reopening with really no no end to the stage that we're in in sight. There's, there's all of the conversation about relinquishing protocols or restrictions has kind of gone off the table. The new, the new conversation of course is about vaccine passports and maybe that's the new way of restricting things. I don't know, but um, we've been in a holding pattern a lot longer than I anticipated. And so with, with the fall kickoff season kind of imminent, I think a lot of us assumed that we would now be open a lot more than we currently are. And and so I feel like as as things were were changing quickly over the summer, we're now in a bit of a holding pattern where they're not changing nearly as as fast as we expected. And and I think that that not that the pandemic hasn't been tough for all of us already, but I think in the spirit of reopening, mm. uh, that's certainly a, a, a part of the challenge that we're facing right now. That said, um, I feel like our church and, and, and where we've been at uh, has been doing very well. And people might be surprised by that reaction, but mm. it's probably all about how you frame things. And I know that months ago uh, I had heard uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle from Life Church share how their reopening experience was. This was probably close to a year ago when they were first uh, allowed to reopen and they were given the go ahead, you know, from their state government officials. And the first Sunday that they reopened, they, you know, had the streamers and the balloons and the welcome back banners, you know, ready to, 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 to reopen and welcome their church back. And their first Sunday that they were reopened, uh, their year-over-year attendance was only eight percent. Mm, only eight percent. Wow! And for me, when Craig had shared that with a group of us pastors, I, I felt like that was really helpful framing of expectations for me. Mm. So maybe for some of us, as we've been showing up through July and especially August to our crude in-person experiences, maybe you've been thinking that this is kind of a ghost town or that this is very sparse. I've been comparing our year-over-year attendance in relation to that 8%. And when when I see 25 or 30%, it's like, wow, we're doing we're actually doing really well. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and another, another church authority I heard speak to this was a guy named Ed Stetzer from, mm-hmm. uh, from Wheaton College. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had described the phenomenon in the U.S. as uh, reopening in terms of thirds, a third of people having left the church and not coming back, a third of people having moved churches for a bunch of different reasons, and then a third of people being kind of your core. Right. And that was another kind of perspective that helped me process what I ought to as a church leader expect. And so mm-hmm. from those two perspectives, the 8% and then the third, a third, a third, I feel like Southridge uh, has been doing really well. And our people have been really tracking and even in person... The, the groups that have been resuming have been uh, have been reassembling and, and and tracking along those lines, but I think it all depends, Carrie, on how you 
frame things. And so I'm kind of thankful for the voices that have helped me frame this in a way where I feel like Southridge is in a very positive place these days. Oh, that's super encouraging. Love that. Well, then if you think about concern, you know, just given where we're at right now, what would you say would be causing you the greatest concern? Uh, I'd probably be most concerned with our individual expectations as a collective, Mm -hmm. knowing that my perspective is completely shaped on the expectations that have framed how I'm experiencing reality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my concern is that maybe not all of us are framing things from that same perspective and therefore our experiences are very different. And, and so, you know, maybe there are people who are discouraged or who are uh, anxious or losing hope. Never mind. Um, our experiences of the pandemic are different and a number of us are under a, a, a much greater degree of stress or anxiety or adverse circumstances. And so, my 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 greatest concern is just that all of us are experiencing this so uniquely that -hmm. there is no collective narrative or no collective experience that's kind of binding all of us Mm -hmm. and I just hope that we're able to be the church to each other and to others in the uniqueness of where we individually and, and personally find ourselves sure well, then, as you think about, you know, uh, leading Southridge, what would you say is your greatest focus, given all that? Well, my greatest focus right now is to essentially relaunch a church. Mm. Um, when when Craig Rochelle explained to us that their church reopened at 8%, he said to a group of us, he said, gang, um, <laughs> you need to expect that you are like starting over at, at some level. And all of your church planting entrepreneurial muscles are going to kick into gear. And so right now you'll know this from our internal dialogue, you know, as a leadership and as a staff, like we're essentially relaunching a ministry this fall. And so I'm focused on all of the, the very basics of what it means to replant and, and relaunch ministry in a church plant kind of a season. Yeah, it's a very unique season for us. Um, and that segues really well into my next question. You know, as we are heading into this launch season and we're, we're in the launch season right now, I guess I would wonder what's your sense of how, how you would feel and believe and understand that God is leading us right now? At a, at a macro level, I feel like God has used the pandemic to refine us as a church. Mm. And, you know, I've heard people say that the pandemic has only served to illuminate what already was. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true of Southridge. Southridge has for a long time, whether we've realized it or not, aspired to pursue the way of Jesus. The language we've used internally is to foster a lifestyle of full devotion. That's what we've been about. We're fostering a lifestyle of full devotion to Jesus. But but I don't know whether we've fully understood or fully appreciated what that really means. Mm. And what the pandemic has illuminated is that, you know, we, we understand the way of Jesus to be a way of self-sacrifice, a way of leveraging or even relinquishing privilege and power for those who don't have it. Mm-hmm. And a, a, a way of 
orienting ourselves to the other, where for those of us who are core to Southridge, this actually isn't about us. Yeah. This actually isn't about us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always, we've talked about this before in podcasts throughout the pandemic, when people have struggled with how Southridge, you know, maybe hasn't oriented itself around a person. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, this, this isn't serving me. And I found that kind of peculiar because as a, 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 someone who's part of designing how Southridge works, I know that, that this isn't for you, but that hasn't been maybe as clear to some of us as mm-hmm. I think it's becoming. I feel like God is refining us, especially this season of replanting or relaunching and re-envisioning around the way of Jesus that can more fully embrace that this actually isn't about us. And and this series that we're headed into, I know we're going to talk about this uh, later, but uh, you know, it's all about a life that isn't about me and a, a way of life that isn't about us and a, a, a Jesus way that is about living beyond ourselves. I think that, that, that God is leading us in a much clearer, much more refined sense of future together around that, that, vision for a life beyond ourselves. Mm, that's really beautiful. I mean, that's, that's what makes us so unique in so many ways as a church. Um, would you sense then that that's, that's like the pressing need that we have right now, as well as the opportunity or. Well, the weird, yeah, the, the, the weird part is that we are a ministry and the word ministry means to serve. Mm. So, you know, we do, in our desire to foster a lifestyle of full devotion, <laughs> we do provide ministry, meaning we serve people. Mm-hmm. But counterintuitively, the way that we serve people is hopefully by stimulating their full devotion. We don't serve people by providing products to consume. And right. that's kind of the whole circuitous, counterintuitive juxtaposition of what our church is. <laughs> I know those are a lot of complicated words, but like, <laughs> Totally. Our weekend services are a ministry, but they're not a product to consume. They're a ministry that stimulates full devotion. Our life groups are not a product to consume. They're a ministry that stimulates Mm -hmm. a lifestyle of full devotion. Our anchor causes are a ministry, but they're not a product to consume. They're stimulants towards a lifestyle of full devotion and even our family ministry and our programs related to our family ministry that you're most familiar with mm-hmm. are not products intended to be consumed they're meant to be stimulants towards a lifestyle of full devotion in children and in teenagers and developing young adults and so on the one hand i feel like what we're trying to most improve is to get our ministries launched and working better than they ever have and improving areas of our ministry where they haven't been as effective because especially through the pandemic many of our areas of ministry have struggled but in launching those and making our ministry better and our service to people better i don't want to imply that we're trying to build something that is going to be more easily or more effectively consumable because our ministries aren't designed to be consumed. (laughs) We're trying to make them more effective, but we're trying to make them more effective in fostering the way of Jesus and in stimulating this lifestyle of full devotion. If that's clear. (laughs) That's, that's fantastic. That's, I love the way that you worded that. And I think that's, um, that's more clear than ever, perhaps, you know, given the season that we find ourselves in. 
Well, I want to shift a bit and talk about the the broader cultural context. Um, you know, knowing that the purpose of the church is ultimately to reveal more of Jesus to the surrounding society. If you think about like our world right now, what sense are you getting of where our world is at right now? Um, yeah, even like where is the church able to gain ground right now? Maybe where is the church losing ground these days? Those are some things I'd love to to kind of get your sense on. Yeah, I I, I would I would certainly feel like we live in a world that is as hungry for God and the life and vibrancy of the person of Jesus as ever before. Uh-huh. We're a world full of anxiety, mm. a world full of emotional struggle, a world full, even coming out of the pandemic, of loneliness yeah. or of even now social awkwardness. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a world that is hungry to love, to experience love, to be loved, mm. you know, to be known and belong. And, you know, all of these, all of these core human needs that the God shaped void in us are intended to be met through the person of Jesus. So I, I believe that first and foremost is more obvious and more common to all of us as a humanity. At the same time, mm. I probably feel like the gap, I often call it the Gandhi gap, right? Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. The, the, the Gandhi gap has probably never been wider in our country than, than, than now. Mm. COVID, I, I don't think, convinced people that the church is the incarnation of Jesus in sure. fact, COVID has probably confused people in the degree of division and polarization, the degree of you know protest and antagonism that the church and Christians have mm. uh, exuded, and so it's 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 probably not a, a sunny season for the church. And yet, I feel like, given the hunger for God and the life and love that Jesus can provide. Mm. that that is so pervasive in our society and the gap that exists i i feel like the opportunity let alone the challenge is for churches and for communities of faith and even for individual believers to rise up and live and love and function in a way that can close that gap in people's minds and hearts like never before and i feel like that's at the end of the day the hope-filled mm-hmm. optimistic opportunity that i see for the church at large in the broader cultural context and for Southridge specifically, like never before. I think that we have a tremendous opportunity to provide a a picture and a version of Jesus that our world is starving for and is eager to embrace. Totally. Oh, I love that invitation to, for all of us as a church to rise and shine like never before. That's that's beautiful. Well, that that leads me to want to talk about Vision Day that's coming up. Um, I know I've often heard you say that, you know, this coming weekend, Vision Day is one of your favorite times of the year. And so why do vision messages mean so much to you personally? You know, it's funny, the, the vision messages we've joked over the years that they're really just saying the same thing in a kind of fresh or creative way. Right. There's there's like no new content. Right. So, you know, spoiler alert for next Sunday, there's 
essentially no new content uh, coming down the, the, the pike. But I think over the years, the, the vision messages have actually meant more, more to me and I, I feel like more to our church because on the one hand, vision leaks. Yeah. We, we, we forget, we get distracted. And uh, Patrick Lencioni called first chair leaders, CROs, chief reminding officers. And so that that becomes a, a responsibility and a function that someone in my seat bears to a greater degree. But more than that, uh, I guess I've, I've felt, and we've, I've already used this language in the podcast, that the importance of framing. Mm. That so much of our reality and our experience of reality is dependent on how it's framed Mm-hmm. And what 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 vision talks and what vision days and what vision conversations and seasons do personally into community like communities like ours is again frame us a certain way. And yeah. I'm sure for many of us, our experience of life, let alone our experience of Southridge, is a product of how we're framing it and and not being able to be together, not being able to be in person struggling through the pandemic, it's affected, I know for many of us, how we frame reality. And uh, it was Max Dupree in a a book called Leadership Jazz that said a a leader's job is to define reality. And I feel like the the value of the framing that it provides us is just so anchoring and so seasonally defining that it, it, it has, I hope that all messages you know, are quote unquote life changing, but these vision talks, they do have a greater degree of legacy just because of the importance of what framing and reality defining does to us as a people. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, while, while you talk about there's, there's not necessarily new content, um, it's how we're, you know, framing things in the season that we're in. I guess I'm just curious any kind of like spoilers that you want to send out or just a sense of like w- what we should expect for this year's kickoff message and, and vision series. Yeah. Well, when, when Ed Stetzer had shared that in the U S in their reopening, which happened earlier to ours, yeah. you know, people were, were kind of navigating this in thirds and, you know, third, <laughs> we're kind of giving up on church and never coming back probably because they were never really into it in the first place. A third are your core, and they're not really going anywhere, but there's a third of every church that are leaving and going to other churches. And, you know, Ed Stetzer said, hopefully you're you're receiving the same third back from other churches. Uh-huh. Um, there, 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 is, there is an upheaval right now. And there is even, I, I heard a denominational leader recently, I had breakfast with them, and they said they're feeling like the church is in a reformation of sorts coming out of the mm-hmm. pandemic. I've heard that too. Where where the people who are part of churches are reevaluating what it means to be part of them. Mm-hmm. And for some people, as they're processing what it means to be part of a church, they're considering, you know, what the church will offer or provide for them or their family, and or they're considering the underlying theology that drives a church. Yeah. And I, I, this denominational leader said that the, the reformation that they're most seeing is around what they called centered set versus bounded set theology, which is a whole other podcast. But basically, <laughs> you know, are you 
centered around the person and the life and love and invitation of Jesus, or are you bounded by rules? Yeah. And, you know, for so many people, when we're processing, you know, how we want to do church in this, this post-pandemic era, we're thinking about one of two things, either what a church will provide for us or our family mm-hmm. and or the underlying theology that, whether we know it or not, is either centered or bounded set, or maybe I should say predominantly, because I know there's a bit of both in all of us, sure. predominantly centered set or predominantly bounded set. And uh, it, it's funny, I was having a conversation just a couple of weeks ago with our founding pastor, mm-hmm. John Eckerd. I visited him because he he broke his wrist in a fall, poor guy. So he's got a cast on and he needed some, some TLC from me. So <laughs> I, I was visiting him and we were talking about, you know, this whole idea of, you know, the, the, the migration of people from church to church and whatever. And, and he just stopped and said, you know, when I look at Jesus, I see the people who cared about the rules the most getting really upset with Jesus and not really caring about the people that he cared about. Mm. And I thought for a guy who's almost 90 years old, that is just, that's mm-hmm. everything in a nutshell. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like our vision season is going to really tap into like, do we care about the rules the most? Right. Or are we looking at the person of Jesus the most? And in that, do we care about the people he cares about the most? Mm. Are we people who are not about me people? Mm-hmm. And are approaching Jesus and the church, not for what we can get out of it, but for how it can foster a life beyond ourselves way of life, mm-hmm. which, as we understand, is the Jesus way. So all of that we probably know and have heard before, but we're going to spend this coming weekend and the subsequent four weeks, we're going to spend five weeks in this vision kickoff series, really evaluating what it what it looks like to live beyond ourselves like never before. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, good stuff. Well, I also know this coming weekends as as we kick off um, with our, our vision talk and as we kick off this series that there's going to be a free giveaway to every person who's here, um, every in-service or in-person um, attender. Can you talk about this? Because this is super exciting. Yeah, this is the worst kept secret at, at Southridge. So this... <laughs> this this exercise in spiritual practices that was a bit of a discipline that I was engaging in in the spring of COVID, just coming out of Easter, during the nine weeks that we journeyed through the yeah. Working Out Our Faith Home Edition series yeah. uh, that turned into some articles, that turned into chapters, that turned into sections, that turned into a manuscript that now has turned into a, a, a full-on book. Um, the book actually releases publicly uh, on Amazon and you know through the publisher on on Wednesday, September the fifteenth, which is super cool. Okay. And uh, this Sunday, the spoiler alert is that uh, we'll have a, a free giveaway, much like we did two years ago with the Jeff Mannion book. Oh, sure. We gave away copies of Jeff Mannion's Dream Big Think Small on mm-hmm. our fall kickoff Sunday, so we're gonna uh, have uh, free copies available. Um, as a giveaway to everyone who's able to uh, participate in one of our in-person services. Now, for people listening who aren't comfortable yet with in-person or uh, for whatever reason uh, aren't ready and are still engaging online, Mm -hmm. uh, we can figure out ways either 
by coming by the office during the week or maybe shipping to you or whatever. Or you can access on the 15th. You can access Amazon yourself. But uh, we'll, we'll be getting copies available. So this thing is going to be uh, live and real and uh, in the flesh. So it's going to be out there and uh, hopefully will be fun not only as a, a bit of an adventure and celebration for our church to share in, mm. but even beyond that, um, I hope it helps in that framing and in that providing reality of the story that God's had us on for almost a quarter century that mm. all of us are part of that that can really help define what it is that we're collectively committing to mm-hmm. uh, in, in this era of our future as we're relaunching and replanting together. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very cool. Um, well, can you share a little bit, you know, specifically about the book launch? Like, just where is this book headed? How can we come alongside you um, in this book launch? Like, this is this is new for you, new for us as a church, super exciting. And so as we, you know, dream about how this can invite all of us and, and even beyond into just a a fuller, a life of even fuller devotion. Like how can we be a part of, a part of all this energy and momentum? Yeah. So uh, I guess first things first, consistent with our heart as a community, the, the, the whole point of this resource is mm-hmm. for it to be shared more than sold. Sure. I, I just want to say that. The giveaway is not something that we're paying for out of our church operating budget. It's not like uh, people's tithes and donated dollars are all of a sudden buying books, you know, in order for us to give away. That's We have a private donor bankrolling these books and have purchased them through my publisher at a reduced rate that mm-hmm. is so reduced that I'm not making a royalty off of it. So uh, I don't want people to get the sense that this is about you know, some kind of uh, profitability, knowing how skeptical people are of churches and especially of church leaders in these kinds of ways. Like that's kind of my greatest fear that book promotion all of a sudden turns me into more televangelist than I've been forced to be uh, through the pandemic preaching at television screens. So uh, I just want to say that out loud, that the point of this is to steward this resource and to share it, not to sell it. That said, uh, you know, what I've learned in the in the publication process is that one of the best ways to share it through Amazon, especially, um, is through reviews, that the more favorable reviews it receives on Amazon, mm-hmm. um, the more Amazon through its algorithm, uh, through its algorithm actually shares it through its marketing capacity. And so oh, cool. if more of us can, track with what this could be, not just to us at Southridge, but to the church across Canada and beyond and contribute, you know, take a few minutes to contribute a positive review there. And if you want, you can cut and paste. If you're a real reader and you have a Goodreads account, you can cut and paste your Amazon review on Goodreads as well. But Hmm. what I've learned is that it's all about the, the positive reviews. Okay. And so, you know, if people are keen to contribute to the sharing of this, um, Certainly take the free copy, read it, and then give it, you know, pass it on to someone else kind of in a pay it forward way. Yeah. But if you want to help the message spread, it's all about uh, posting a review on Amazon and helping that magnify the reach of this resource beyond just our local community. Okay, that's super helpful, super exciting. 
Um, okay. Well, any, I mean, we could talk longer, but for the sake of time, any final encouragements or challenges when it comes to embracing God's vision uh, for his church, especially here at Southridge, um, as we dive into launching, you know, this, this fall, any final encouragements? Yeah, I feel like for, for all of us at Southridge, for sure, and for every church leader and church member who listen into our podcasts from, you know, across North America and, and beyond, um, just to appreciate for us, this is a fresh start. Yeah. This is a fresh start. And, you know, I think about God and how God is a God of grace and a God of second chances and like God is the God of the fresh start. And -hmm. this can be an incredible season of experiencing that reality personally and for us together as a local church and even for us together as the church at large. And, And I know like internally, we're trying to capitalize and leverage Mm-hmm. the fresh opportunity of a fresh start that it is, I would say for all of us personally to ask the question, what does it mean for us to give God the chance for, for this to be a fresh start season spiritually in our lives? Mm-hmm. What, what would it look like to give God a fresh chance, to give other people a fresh chance, to give the church a fresh chance, to have a fresh start in pursuing Christ, to have a fresh start, start of experiencing the church, to have a fresh start of engaging in community, to have a fresh start of getting outside of our comfort zone and maybe engaging in mission like we never did before, whatever that might mean to you. What, what does it look like for you to take one step of embracing and experiencing the season of fresh start that this can be for all of us? Because I think that if we do, this could be a really incredible rich spiritual time where maybe more than ever we can experience God at work. That would be my encouragement to all of us personally and collectively as a local church and even as the church of Canada and and beyond these days. That's amazing. Good stuff. Well, let's, let's close with that invitation. Fresh start. Um, Jeff, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for um, just inviting us into and, and giving us a sense of what's to come as we launch into Vision Sunday and into the series that's coming. Thanks everyone for joining us. It's been great to be together. You're going to for sure want to join us this coming Sunday um, for Vision Sunday and for the weeks that follow. And be sure to catch us next week as we continue to find our way together. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone.